You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 and 7 p.m. I want to talk a little bit about a Bible story here right off the bat. Um, I don't usually always... uh, have like an expository message, but I was drawn to the story of Mary and Martha this week as I kept noticing um, the impulse in myself to to uh, try to like manage all the stuff in my life and fix myself and fix the world and kept hearing, you know, I, as I saw myself doing that, kept hearing Jesus call me to something greater, which is so mysteriously simple, I feel like I need to talk about it here tonight. Um, This greater thing that Jesus is calling us to, I think, is to simply be with God. And Lent is a really good time to do that. It sounds really easy to just be with God, but I think it requires giving up a lot of those impulses that serve this idea that we can save ourselves and the world. Um, and manage all the stuff, even in our lives. So it requires a little bit of throwing in the towel, giving up, and asking for help. So the title of this talk could be something like, Stop Trying to Just Please God and Start Listening, or Surrender to a Love That's Greater Than You and All the Pressure That You Feel to Make Things Right All the Time. So. Let's get into the story right away. Um, you, you have probably heard this before if you've read the Bible. Jesus was traveling from place to place teaching, as he often did, and he stops in um, at these sisters' houses. And he probably had a pretty big entourage. He had disciples. You know, he was, he was, kinda, he was becoming kind of a famous rabbi person, so he had people following him, so it was a crowd. And Martha, one of the sisters, um, feels like she's going to do the right thing and take care of all these people. And it was even the law. Like, the, there were hospitality laws back then. So she was literally, like, following the law to take care of Jesus and all his guests and get the house ready and serve food. She has, you know, she's very capable, like all of you, and she even has good motivation. Like, she's going to, she wants to please God. You know, look at her. I I can totally relate to that. She wants to please God. She wants to take care of people. Her sister, on the other hand, is just sitting at Jesus' feet, listening, not helping. Um, She's, like, not only oblivious to all the work her sister is doing, she's, like, she's just um, acting like a regular disciple, which women didn't do back then it was just men who got to listen to the rabbi and learn so there's mary um ignoring all the women's work and just listening to jesus um being useless to her sister and soaking up whatever jesus is serving she's not worried about serving she's letting god serve her and amazingly jesus tells martha that what mary is doing is better and Martha can't believe what's happening. She's really shocked by the injustice because, you know, here she is just trying to please God, and what could be a better motivation than that? 
I mean, I don't think I don't think there is one. We should shouldn't we all just li- live to please God? I think Jesus would say yes, but he he would say and he did say here the way to do it is more about receiving than it is about giving. And this is kind of this is kind of upside down. I I barely believe it even as I'm telling it to you, but I know it's true. Pleasing God is about receiving more than giving. It's about listening humbly more than serving. In fact, it is about relating. Actually relating to God, which people can be religious all their lives and completely miss, right? And in relating to God, we get served by God. I think seriously, God is more into serving us than us serving God. But our egos really put a wall up. Our egos really resist this idea of being served by God um, or listening enough to do that because we think we have to be the ones giving and doing so that we can be worthy. And I, I think most of us have formed a sense of self, a false self, around offering something to the world that can protect us from being criticized and rejected and abandoned. We don't, we don't want any of that stuff to happen to us. In fact, it probably did happen to us at some point early on, and we thought we were going to die, and we created a whole way of being to, to, to keep one step ahead of that. So we give to people, and we serve them partly so they won't leave us, and we try to improve ourselves so that we won't be judged. And I think that's not all bad, but it needs to be seen with Jesus. Part of why it's not all bad, too, is there's a lot of fixing to be done in the world, right? There's a lot of problems. There's, so we need givers and we need servers because the world needs a lot of help. I was identifying this week with some of the good citizens that um, are distressed about what's been happening to our recycling. Have you heard about this? Like half of it, half of our recyclables have been burned up in the incinerator and so are contributing to all the greenhouse gases instead of actually being recycled because our contract with our service people ran out and then it was it was more ex- too expensive to make a new contract and chi- China let us China um put up a new law of, like won't let us send our trash to them anymore which is understandable it, apparently this is going to be fixed but people have been like you know the people who like wash out their peanut butter jars and I wish I, I I do that but I some of my friends even like take the little plastic pieces off of envelopes you know like business envelopes have that little sliver of plastic people like take that stuff out and they save it you know so I've been feeling with the the people that like save the the top of the pizza boxes you know how you can it's perforated so you can rip that top off because the bottom part gets greasy and can't be recycled. People really people really do this to save the earth, and I'm glad they do. Um, and I've been bummed out with them this week that it, it hasn't really been helping the planet, at least recently in Philly. There's a lot to do to try and save the earth. So, so what in the world is Jesus suggesting by saying that Mary chose the better thing by just sitting with him you know why does he tell Martha 
that only one thing is needed when there is so much to do? Should we really stop caring for creation and feeding our families and obeying the law? You know, because Martha was just obeying the law. And of course, I don't think that Jesus is saying just sit down and stop working and let the world go to hell in a handbasket. He's, he's not saying that. He's saying something deeper. I think he's calling us to himself. He's, he's calling us to be with him in a deeper, bigger way, to learn from him, to actually receive his love that's going to empower us to keep transforming the world. And Lent is a perfect time to do that. And we keep talking about centering prayer this year because it's this physical practice that, that lets us actually do what Mary was doing in like sitting at the feet of Jesus. So I want to talk about it again for another minute um, with this favorite, my favorite um, Chinese artist, Ho Chi. I love this because, you know, Mary's hands are not full. Like Martha's hands are full of her stuff to do that makes her worthy. And Mary's just kind of empty-handed. And her, her hands are around her heart because she knows she needs something beyond what she can do for herself. And she's like, she's like giving the attention of her heart. She's pointing it toward Jesus in this moment. And I also love this picture because Jesus is like, I'm here, guys. I'm here. And that's the one thing that is needed. And so Mary turns the attention of her heart to God, just with the intent to be with Jesus. And that's really as simple as centering prayer is. I, I like it as a form. It's my favorite form of meditation because it doesn't require all these great powers of concentration and focus that I can never seem to muster up. It's simply about your intention to be with God. And as your mind wanders, which it will, you kind of bring it back to that word or phrase like we talked about last week. That's just an expression of your desire to just be with God for a couple minutes or however long you try it. If that sounds like what's the point to you, you might want to really try it this year partly because Thomas Keating and others have written about this kind of prayer as divine therapy. And I think that's I think that's kind of what Mary was getting here in this little moment with Jesus too. Um it's a it Christian contemplatives call being with Jesus like this divine therapy because it gets your unconscious mind has a chance um to unload a little bit the memories, the junk that we absorb throughout our life the stuff that we'd rather repress it's it's safe to come up to the surface with God and Keating would say this is a way for our false selves to actually be transformed because we get to realize we get to see those impulses in us that keep us grabbing for the esteem and the affection and the uh, security or the power or whatever it is that unconsciously motivates us we get to see it and it gets to be touched by God. I think Jesus is the only one who convin can convince us that we don't have to do that stuff anymore. Full confession, all week I was getting thrown off of my Lent discipline. This kind of happens every year around. My birthday falls right in the middle of Lent. It's like such a pain. 
Although it was so nice that my cell had a surprise for me. But I kept trying to get back on the, on the horse with my sacrifices that I, I'm trying to do. And it just was not working all week long. And last night, I actually fished a bag of my kids' Doritos out of the trash. And I ate them, and I got, I got some insight from God right in that moment. And it wasn't about the Doritos, and that's not really the heart of my um, trying to sacrifice. But I could finally see in that moment with, with God and my little trash-picked food that my attempts to fix myself were making me more anxious and isolated. And I needed to give up on that again. I needed to throw in the towel on fixing myself and the world, and just sit with Jesus. Mary was not trying to impress Jesus with her togetherness. She was just showing up for the meeting and trying to learn something. I think we usually feel like we should already know stuff, and we should, we should just have what we need to keep going. I mean, that's what we are taught as Americans. And we can beat ourselves up then so badly for acting otherwise, for not having, for messing up, for not having what we need. And I don't think Jesus is expecting all that of us. And and that's the message that we get when we actually sit with him. And that's why I love the, the first stanza of one of Coleridge's poems. He was, Samuel Taylor, Taylor Coleridge was a brilliant poet who lived about 100 years ago, I think, but he was plagued by opiate addiction. Um, this was before we all knew that opiates were so addictive, and he had some kind of leg in- injury, and then his the whole rest of his life was this giant struggle to surrender to God. And so he writes, Air on my bed, my limbs I lay. It hath not been my use to pray with moving lips or bended knees, but silently by slow degrees, my spirit I to love compose. In humble trust, mine eyelids close with reverential resignation, no wish conceived, no thought expressed, only a sense of supplication, a sense where all my soul impressed that I am weak, yet not unblessed, since in me, round me, everywhere, eternal strength and wisdom are. So he managed to get this sense of God's presence with him sometimes in the midst of his struggle, and I think that's because he asked for it. But he reminds me that we we might need to let go of some of our judgment and expectation this Lent about what getting better or getting fixed actually looks like for ourselves and for other people. Because a lot of people are struggling, in case you haven't noticed. Um... Kyle sent this article to me yesterday from the Inquirer. And it made me think about all the ways that well-intentioned religious people can make people feel worse for still being in in the deep struggle with faith or addiction or relationship issues or depression or whatever it is. But the reality is that so many people have experienced such real trauma. And our emotional stuff is so complex, it's going to take a while to sort out with Jesus. 
And most of our recovering looks more like a zigzag, I think, than a straight line. Jesus knows this, and that's why he says that Mary chose better to just be with him. But I think it doesn't mean that all the Marys of the world are going to be instantly cured and successful. I think it means they're being called back again and again to Jesus' feet um, to listen even when they don't feel God's presence or feel victorious about anything. That's the call. Jesus says he desires mercy over sacrifice because we need mercy way more than God needs our sacrifice. And I think we need to feel the mercy this Lent. And so do others around us who are suffering. People who are suffering do not need to be judged for not getting better. It's not necessarily a sign of lack of victory in Christ to be sad or to doubt or to wrestle with emotional wounds and trauma. In fact, Thomas Keating, the divine therapy guy, would say that if that stuff is coming up for you with any consciousness with God, you're actually progressing. It's a sign that you're getting somewhere. Stuff, though, I think the worst stuff can come to the surface um, in therapy or in centering prayer or even a meeting like this, and it might just feel painful for a while. But it probably means that we're getting somewhere. I was also reminded this week that, that prayer can bring other images to the surface too, images that are invitations um, from God to us this Lent. So my prayer is that you get you get some of these. But one of my friends told me that during our Ash Wednesday vigil, vigil, she um, and she's very much a, ca- a capable. She's somebody who who would say she relied on her Martha self her whole life, but but on Ash Wednesday she was picturing herself, her with her head in Jesus's lap, sitting around the fire. She wasn't doing anything impressive or helpful in that moment except just being held by God and it was like a revelation to her of her belovedness not needing to do anything to achieve that I was thinking about God's love for us yesterday um, at my niece's adoption party too here she is with my brother-in-law she's been um, Tayani has been with our family for her her whole life, since she was a month old, through foster care, in in the foster care system. And the courts finally decided this week that um, she could officially be adopted. But she she was, um, her biological mom was raped, has such severe developmental delays that she wasn't able to care for her. And so the court spent a long time, all that time, trying to see if there was anybody else in Tayani's biological family that wanted to take care of her. And they finally, and they gave them a good chance to do that, but finally determined there was nobody. And so she's officially part of my sister's family and my family. And And the really cool thing to me is that her biological mom is kind of part of our family too. My sister and brother in law have saw that she kind of needed to be adopted as well. I'm telling you all of this because Tayani is beloved like each of us. It doesn't matter that she came through rape. 
or that her biological mom can't take care of her. God sees and knows and is providing for her. Actually, that does matter to God, and he sees that and is providing for her. And I think, um, and God will keep on being present to Tayani throughout her whole life, as she no doubt will go through her own struggles. But, but her journey already reminds me of Paul's letter to the Roman church who was dealing with tons of struggles inside and out all the time. Paul said, you have not received a spirit of slavery leading again to fear of God's judgment, but you have received the spirit of adoption as children, the spirit by which we joyfully cry, Abba, which means daddy. The Spirit himself testifies and confirms together with our spirit, assuring us that we believers are children of God. And if we are his children, then we are his heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing his spiritual blessing and inheritance, if indeed we share in his suffering, so that we may also share in his glory. Jesus is our partner. That, that co, I love that co-heir word, like Jesus, our brother. He's our partner here with us in the struggle. And I think he can reveal things to us through prayer that can help us hang on in deeper ways this Lent. The important thing is to show up for that meeting. That's the invitation, to show up, to actually relate to Jesus, because we get reminded that we're not the fixers and the savers, and we don't have to be, because we, we serve a God who is, a God who is serving us. I think practically speaking, you, you might need to smash, you might, beyond showing up, you might also need to smash, like, whatever's getting, the, getting in the way of you relating to God. For some reason, I was thinking of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Howard's favorite movie. Um, this morning, and how Cameron, I love that scene at the end where Cameron like drives the Ferrari right through the the garage. It's like, it's like the symbol of all of his insecurities and the uh, the lies that he's absorbed about himself. Even though I love it, the scene like deeply distresses the Martha in me that just wants to like manage everything and and, and have the least amount of damage happening all the time. But I'm thinking that you might need to put yourself in a place to receive mercy this Lent, to actually feel the mercy. Like you might need to make a confession or um, give something up or decide something here in this moment, Whatever's hol- whatever is holding you back. We have exactly one month left until Easter. Or we might, we might just need to sit here in this moment and listen to God about what it what it might be like for you to really think of yourself as part of the family as as an adopted child like not only like fully part of the family but like like receiving that inheritance and like being part of the family business of of redeeming the world ponder that you know, what, what kind of son or daughter or partner in the family business do you want to be? 
you, 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 can, you can already give up on trying to please God to be in this family. I think that's the thing to ponder here tonight, too. You're, you're, already, you're already in. You're fully accepted. So what would it be like to live that way? Like you already please God. And what is Jesus actually asking of you? Not, not just what you expect of yourself or what others expect, but what is Jesus actually asking of you? So let's, let's pray on that before we come to the table. Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to be one with you like that, to not just be called into your family, but to like partner with God in this mysterious way where you give us yourself and we have your power and your love to share. Pray that you would help us to see that and help us to be those those givers and those people who serve and transform the world, but not, not at the expense, Jesus, of um, receiving from you the source of our love and strength and insight. So help us to slow down this Lent in, in all the ways that we might need to to actually hear from you and know again um, that we are your beloved. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.